Amen. And so as we come to the one who does bring that new creation, we come to him in his word in the gospel today of Mark in the 14th chapter. And as you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. As they were eating, he, Jesus, took bread And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Take all. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A friend of mine, a former student, actually learned about our American culture when he came here uh, just around two years of age. And he learned it, and he learned to speak English in a unique way from watching television. Now imagine, I was thinking about this this week, that view of the world. If somehow uh, our world was sliced up into, into these kind of little silos. So I started having fun and thinking about it further. And I thought, well, well what, if, what if your whole view of the world, I'm a football fan, just came from watching a, a sporting event? Right? In, in, in that case, you might think that the most important thing uh, in the universe is physical fitness, right? Or maybe if you got a, a sliver of the world that you were looking through and you were watching romantic comedies, and you, you might think that the most important thing about the world is, uh, you know, relationships. Maybe not covenantal relationships, maybe more transactional, and maybe you might think it's a bit of a joke, but still. Or maybe what if you only saw the world through educational documentaries, ones that shared of the great minds and luminaries of our history and world, then you would think, I would guess that the most important part of life would be the mind and intellect. Well, as luck would have it, if your TV channel got stuck on the cable access channel and you got stuck listening to preachers all day long, then maybe you would think that maybe philosophy or spirituality is the most important. But you know what's interesting? Beyond the ridiculous exaggeration uh, that uh, I'm making with entertainment and looking at the world through these small slivers, we are reminded, I think, from the scriptures and from God himself that we are not made in these individual silos. For God, as we learned in going through this series together of what is Christianity who has made us, he made us in body, mind, and spirit. Jesus didn't just raise from the dead metaphorically or spiritually. He did that, but he also rose from the dead 
physically. And so as we learn in creation, the God who makes us, the God who rose from the dead, the God who is with us even incarnate. And we know that word carne here in New Mexico, don't we? Right? In the flesh, with us. And even as we study the Ten Commandments, we got a glimpse of this when we learned that we are to love the Lord, our God, with all of our what? Our heart, our soul, our mind, and it even gets extended to our neighbor. So it should come as no surprise for us that God would provide a means, a road, a way to forgiveness that touches us in body mind, and spirit. And that it comes not just to the individual, but also to the whole community, the body of Christ. It's no accident, I think, that the chapter that follows uh, chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians that uh, talks about Holy Communion is the chapter that gives us more details about what it is to be the body of Christ. And so we have a very present God. And one of the lines from Psalm 34 that has just uh, been sticking with me all week long is that we have a God who encamps around us in every way. In the midst of the joys and the hardships of life. And so as we come uh, over these next two weeks and examine the sacraments, communion this week and baptism next, and I was thinking about the sacraments and talking to God about it, he, I think, gave me this image. comes from airport of all places. Have you seen those people movers? You know, where you, you, you step on and whether you want to or not, you're going to the end of the line, right? And uh, I mean, you can run against it. Maybe you can help speed it up. Maybe you even don't like it when you get stuck to, behind the person that's going slower than you. But, you know, the power of movement there in that case is not really yours. It's the electric motor that's taking you from this place to the next. And this is how it is with God's sacrament. The power of the sacrament is not in you or me. It's in his word. The word of God. The power is in the word. The power is in what God has done. And when we come to the sacraments, we come by faith. Uh, the Augsburg Confession, a uh, uh, one of our confessional documents that attempted 500 years ago to answer the question, what is Christianity for the German princes, right? Uh, and believe me, the Augsburg Confession has done a much better job than I in, in describing this. And it says this, that when we come to the sacraments, particularly Holy Communion, we come by faith, which believes that sins are forgiven. So what do we do when we come to this table to, and I'll talk more about this, to be worthy or to receive it? We come by faith recognizing that we need forgiveness of sin from Jesus. Where do we get that faith? That too is a gift of God and a work of the Holy Spirit. 
And so these sacraments, let me just uh, push pause and just define that word sacrament for a minute. It's a Latin word sacramentum, which was translated from a Greek word, mysteria, uh, and it got translated that in the Vulgate, but the word mysteria, where we get the English word mystery, lets us know that, that how this is done is God's work. It's a mystery. How he works through uh, these sacraments are through the word of God, through what Jesus started, through a physical element, through a road, a means, a path, a place of grace that's taking us to the forgiveness of sins. So what is a sacrament doing? What is happening at Holy Communion? Empowered by his word, he's taking us, the path he's taking us on, the means he's taking us to, touching us in body, mind, and spirit is to forgiveness. For Jesus said in Matthew 26, drink All of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the what? The forgiveness of sin. Martin Luther would go on to say, it's the word I maintain which distinguishes it from the bread and wine, and it constitutes it as a sacrament. And so it's the power of the word and the power of Jesus' word for the forgiveness of sin. And that's the path he's taking us on by his word. That's the engine that's taking us to the end result. So why trust this word? (laughs) We trust this word because God is faithful. We trust this word because God is so gracious, he even gives us evidence of its truth. He said, let there be light. And there was light. (laughs) He gives us this word and he says in three days I'll be risen and the tomb was empty Jesus rose from the dead the witnesses saw it with their own eyes and even in historical account you've heard me uh, yammer on about how important early accounts are in giving us the gospel did you know uh, I was reminded of this in my study of uh, 1 Corinthians this week that it came earlier than any of the gospel texts. Probably around 53, maybe as late as 55 AD. That's not 1950s. Don't get your uh, millennium mixed up here. The, uh, the 50s, right? And the gospels... Uh, came later, still pretty early, but not, not till the late 50s. And, some, and so we have the earliest written words of Jesus here in 1 Corinthians 11. And it's probably from the liturgy of the church at the time, quoting Jesus. And so... I just point this out because I want you to understand some of you are doing the math. That's maybe 20 years since Jesus rose from the dead and you're thinking, well, it doesn't seem very early to me. Well, in terms of ancient history, that's like Twitter speed, okay? Almost no ancient history gets recorded and written that early. Why is that important? Because that means that there are eyewitnesses who could say, yeah, I saw that. That's what happened. 
There's no time for legends to uh, emerge because the people who are there aren't dead yet and they can affirm it or deny it. And guess what the uh, witnesses did to this testimony? They affirmed it. And so we have evidence and history and experience to tell us that this word is trustworthy and this word, together with the physical element, Jesus gives us this thing that touches us with forgiveness. And some of you uh, might be thinking, wait, I thought he said in remembrance of me. I thought it was just a memorial. Uh, Some of the early reformers like Zwingli thought of it like that. And faithful Christians today uh, think of Holy Communion as something that happens inwardly with just a physical memorial sign. Other Christians, some of you might be thinking, wait, I thought it was actually the substance that changed. I thought the, the bread became God's body physically. We call that in Christian terms transubstantiation. And the wine becomes his blood and it changes into something different. Yes, in Christian thought, there are three, I would call, faithful views as we approach this mystery. But as we listen to God's word and Jesus says, this is my body, it's no surprise that it can be both and, just as Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And if we had tested his DNA, he would have most certainly been fully human, if it would have been possible in the first century, right? But still fully God. And so no wonder that it still retains its substance as fully bread and wine. And yet Christ, because of his word, he is really present. And no wonder if we come to the scriptures that we confess and believe. When Jesus says this is for forgiveness of sin, it's not for forgiveness of sin metaphorically. It is for forgiveness of sin because his word says it is. And so we confess and believe as Lutheran Christians that while all three views are are faithful that the God's real presence look I wouldn't be a Lutheran Christian if I didn't think this was the best way right that this is the faithful way to understand the scriptures his real presence and don't we see that evidence to us in the way that Jesus came to us incarnate and so communion is moving us to the gospel. You know, this is not a lecture today on Holy Communion. If it was, it would be longer and more boring, I think. Well, at least I hope not more boring. And, but this is a sermon. And his word in a sermon, a different than a lecture, it's a movement like the sacrament to bring us to the gospel. And how do we come to this mystery? It's not by even getting which one of the top three views of the sacrament right. It's by coming by faith for the forgiveness of sin. So that's what Jesus is doing. And who's it for? How do you become worthy to receive this gift He says you come as a pitiful sinner. 
The worth is not your own. You come by faith, which is a gift of God. I like this definition. Uh, You've heard me quote it before from Pastor Timothy Keller, who says the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. More sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And so we come, we get on this path, this means of grace, whose motor is God's word, the word of Christ. And we come as pitiful sinners. And you think, well, I'm not all that bad. I mean, pitiful, come on, right? Well, don't believe me. Believe the word that says we are all in need of forgiveness for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And by the way, if you have trouble believing the word, just ask your spouse or your parents or your kids. They'll tell you the truth, right? We need this. Jesus says, come, come to me. And I will give you rest. Who is this for? It's for the people coming by faith, seeking forgiveness of sin from Christ and Christ alone. No, this is no lecture at all. Friends, today, this is an altar call. And you are being called by the Lord of the Supper, Jesus himself, to come to this altar and receive this gift of grace by the power of his word. He is bringing you there. And so I invite you, Jesus invites you, come and be forgiven. Come and seek his rest. Come and be restored by his table of grace and forgiveness. For the forgiveness of sins, he invites you. And we can literally, literally, as Psalm 34 proclaims, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come. Amen.